This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast, Show 13. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. Hey, everybody. I'm Josh Dorkin, your host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with my co host, Brandon Turner. What's up, Brandon? Hey, Josh. Not much. Things are uh, pretty good. I closed on a new property this week, so that makes me happy. Fantastic. Always exciting to close on yet another property. It is. It's, uh, I, I wrote about it over on the blog so people can check that out if they want to know the dirty details. But uh, yeah, it's, it's good. So, No, that's awesome, man. Well, you know what else is awesome, Brandon? What else Speaking is awesome? Speaking of awesomeness, Josh. Awesome is 100,000. Do, do you know why 100,000 is awesome? Is that the amount of money that you're going to give me today? That is certainly not the amount of money I'm going to give you today. However, tomorrow. That is no, not tomorrow <laughs> either, Brandon. Uh, 100,000 is the number of times our our podcast has been listened to up until now, up until uh, uh, at, at the time of this uh, publication of this podcast two days ago. So That's awesome. we have uh, we have eclipsed the 100,000 listens milestone, which is I think it's pretty cool. I mean, 12 shows and 100,000 listens, not bad. That's not bad at all. That's great. I'm. I, I'm blown away by just the sheer number of people who listen to this show every week. Um, just, yeah, it's awesome. It's a, it's really, really refreshing to know that people like what, what we're doing. So I like being liked. That's a good thing. Yeah. Well, they certainly don't like me. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll take all the credit for, for yeah, there, not our there guests, you not you. It's all me. So this it's is, all, this is welcome to the Brandon, Brandon podcast <laughs> <laughs> starring Brandon Turner with guest host Brandon <laughs> Turner and guests Brandon Turner. Yes. Well, um, spe- speaking of guests, we have an awesome guest today. Somebody that's uh, fairly new at real estate investing. Um, Leon Yang. He's, uh, he's uh, from the Las Vegas area. And uh, Josh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Leon? You knew him before I did. Yeah. So Leon, Leon is, a, is an interesting guy from, from Brooklyn, New York, New York in the house, um, <laughs> who, uh, <laughs> who was uh, born in China, uh, raised in Brooklyn, uh, originally set out to go ahead and get, get an MBA. And, uh, Leon, I guess, decided that the best education he was going to get would be by just hitting the street and, uh, getting into real estate investing. So, uh, back in 2011, uh, he started investing in Las Vegas at pretty much, uh, you know, when the, the market was pretty close to bottom. And, uh, he's been buying houses, flipping and, uh, borrowing money from strangers ever since. Uh, he's definitely an interesting guy. He's got a, a, a perspective that we haven't yet seen on, on the site. And we'll get into that a little bit. Um, and what's cool, I think is exactly. He's a, he's a new, newer investor who's really, really savvy, uh, who understands the economics of real estate. And, uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll get into his strategies further on. Uh, but before we start though, uh, let's, let's go and, and knock this thing out, man. We got today's quick tip, quick tip. <laughs> <laughs> Today's quick tip, uh, is 
the uh, using bigger pockets for your business. How how do you use bigger pockets to grow your business? Um, we put out a uh, a ebook, a free ebook on uh, how to do this. It's got some awesome information. If whether you're a big company who operates in the real estate space or somebody who's got uh, a small business in real estate, um, this this ebook has uh, pretty much everything you need to know on how to grow your business using the Bigger Pockets platform. So you definitely want to download download this thing, check it out, um, and we will have uh, the link in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show13. There is a short link to it, which is biggerpockets.com slash biz, and that will be the uh, quick link to the uh, PDF, biggerpockets.com slash B-I-Z. If you're in the landlord game, then you know the importance of solid tenant screening. That's where RentReady steps in. Now, RentReady's got an important new feature, proof of income verification. And get this, with Plaid certified reports, you'll see everything from income summaries to total earnings by month. Say goodbye to those gut check moments and hello to confidence in renting with RentReady. RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering a six month plan for $1. You can't beat that. I actually don't even know how they make money doing that, but it's above my pay grade, pal. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like bigger pockets, investor, like me, to get six months of rent ready for $1, which is crazy. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day. 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. Uh, so 
enough of Brandon and the Brandon show and Josh <laughs> as his cohort. Why don't we uh, get to our guest, Mr. Leon? Uh, so, uh, welcome to the show, Leon. All right. Thanks, Josh and Brandon. Quite excited. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. This is going to be great. For sure. For sure. All right, man. Well, let's just jump right into this thing. How did you become a real estate investor? Wow. It's quite a long story. I mean, I've always, I'm very entrepreneurial. I grew up around an entrepreneurial family. So I always wanted to run my own business. And I did do that one time coming out of college, trying to help my family um, run their, build their business, but it was quite challenging. So then at that point, I wanted to, I kind of considered about going to get an MBA and wanted to maybe give up and go to a nine to five job. But you know, I've, I've, at one point I've come across, I read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, you know, got me really excited about real estate. Uh, and my family had a lot of experience in real estate too. So, you know, and this point it was in 2011. So I thought it's a, you know, it's a quite interesting time to be in real estate. Um, once I started following the market and I thought, wow, you know, and I grew up in New York. So, I was looking at houses in New York where it cost $600,000 for <laughs> two family, um, you know, small house built in the 1940s. And then I look at the, you know, I just look at the biggest foreclosure markets in, uh, in the US, which at that time was Vegas, Orlando, Miami, and Phoenix. And I was seeing houses that were selling for less than a hundred grand and condos that were selling for less than 30, 40 grand. And I just couldn't believe my eyes. You know, I thought either the computer was playing a trick or <laughs> uh, I really had, to, had to find out what's going on. Nice. So it was that really, you know, and, and I was looking at the rental rates, you know, the rents were pretty normal, you know, for a house it would be about a thousand dollars. And, you know, for condos it was maybe about 600, 650. So I started kind of working the math and it just seemed to make a lot of sense. So in 2011, July, I just kind of flew down there to all three cities and just wanted to get started that way. Wow. So you, you hop on a plane out of Brooklyn. You, you hadn't quite gotten your MBA or had you started or, or no? I actually got accepted to a couple of MBA schools, but I, you know, at that point I decided this was the better opportunity for me. Okay. Um, it's, it's an opportunity that I think wouldn't have lasted that long. So right. I had to make a decision. So I decided to get into real estate. And, and how did your parents feel about that? Well, <laughs> I think they, they are, they've been very supportive in, in what I want to do in terms of entrepreneurship. So, you know, they looked at the prices and they couldn't believe their eyes. They, they, they just say, wow, this can't be true. Sure. You know? And sure. at that point, my parents have invested in China too. So it's just the, the way they compare prices just night and day. So my dad just say, okay, let's I'll hop along with you. Let's go to all these cities and let's find out what's going on. You know, at that point, we didn't know what kind of, what the cities would be like, you know, it could be completely barren, you know, people would have left. It could have been looking like a zombie town. We just didn't know. So, so we had to kind of hit the streets and find out. Now Vegas does look like a zombie town, you know, de depends on the time of day, you know, all the, the people <laughs> walking around, you know, drunk and broke after losing all their money gambling. And, but, uh, is that a, st that's a, good point, is that a story? Yeah. I, I have a story coming on there, Josh. <laughs> uh, yeah, there, no, there's, there's no story, but I had a story with the NBA question. I mean, you know, 
after school, you know, I, I got into the entertainment business and my parents were, were definitely not happy about me making that decision. And, and so, you know, I, I just know that families, you know, certain decisions they, they approve of or they don't. And it just kind of popped in my brain, but um, I was going to go to you, law. You, I was going to go to law school, and my yeah, that's same similar story. My parents weren't real thrilled when I said I'm going to invest in real estate instead of go to law school and make six figures. So, and look where you are now. And look where I am now on the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 13, which you can get in the show notes at uh, biggerpockets.com/slash/show13. Like that? With all, yeah, that was a great plug. Good plug. All right, so you get on a plane, you hop down to Vegas, down to Miami and Phoenix. How did you guys decide which of those markets that you liked the best that, and, and ultimately settling on, on Las Vegas? It, it was the zombies. That was uh, <laughs> what, what we decided. <laughs> no, well, in all seriousness, uh, we, I, I just saw that Vegas was kind of, um, to me, it was surprisingly diverse in terms of their economics. They have military bases. They have a lot of trade shows, conventions, um, a lot of distribution, very business friendly, landlord friendly. So it was, it was surprising once you get out of the zombie town, out of the strip into the different areas. And being that is close to California, and I just thought that, you know, it's it's a better market there. Um, and also, I feel like no one's really wants to go visit Phoenix or Miami, Orlando as much as Vegas. So. <laughs> It was a little bit of, hey, Vegas is pretty exciting. It's close to uh, California. I think it's, uh, and it has a good, diverse business uh, all over town. And it was growing rapidly. So I thought it was a pretty good town to be in. All right, man. No, that's great. Um, so you, you decide, you go to Vegas. Vegas has all this opportunity. It's a, it's a great town. Uh, the market was, you know, in the absolute floor um, you decide to get into this. T- tell us about your first deal. How did, how did that go? Uh, what, what was it and, and uh, how did it go down? Yeah, it took me about probably a month before I found the, the, my first property. I wanted to buy a buy, uh, buy and hold property and I had to get familiar with the town. So for quite a month, I was just driving to every street, trying to figure out what's a good neighborhood. Um, I wanted a good rental. So I spoke to quite a few agents and finally found one that seems to, they do a lot of rehabs as well. So they buy foreclosed homes, rehab and sell it to investors. So I thought it was a good way for me to get exposure to that because I wanted to fix up broken homes and get a better deal that way instead of just buying straight off fixed up properties where I, I may be paying, you know, maybe 20, 15, 20% more. So it was a good learning experience for me to get started. So we bought a house. Uh, it was in a great neighborhood. It took quite a long time, but the first house I got, it was a cost about 107, 107,000. And we spent 7,000 to rehab it into a good rental condition, which we ended up uh, renting it for, for 1150 a month. So that was a pretty good return. And, but later on, I kind of realized that I've paid way more than what I should have in order to, to rehab the place, but I was very inexperienced. So uh, that was sort of my launching point to start learning more and get involved with every aspect of the real estate, you know, rehabbing, buying, renting, uh, just, so that was my launching point. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So now was that, that was a single family. Yeah. 
Yes, a single family, three bedroom, two and a half bath. And and how did you end up uh, financing that? Was that just uh, through your family, or was that something? How how'd you go about it? Yeah, through my family. Uh, that's why I did through the first couple of deals before I started getting financing on my own. So it was sort of a launching point for me to start. And then by 2012, I was just doing all of them private seller finance. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So private seller finance, why don't, why don't we talk about that a little bit? What, what does that mean? You know, if, you know, for the newer folks listening, how does that work? What does it mean? What is private seller finance? Sure. Um, well, let's just start from the beginning. All I wanted to start was I want to build a bigger portfolio. So I knew in order to do that, I have to find some sort of financing to, to really make that work. Um, but at that point, I don't have a job. I don't have um, the W-2s to go to a bank and say, hey, I want to get a bank loan. So my, my idea was really, it, it came out of actually attending the Bigger Pockets conference in Denver. Nice. And it got Woo-hoo! me to start. Yeah, it was great. I mean, I, I started learning all this about private seller financing, um, which is really going to the seller of the house who actually finance my purchase of their home. So if, say, for example, if Josh has a house and it's worth 100000 you know, he may be willing to say, you know what, Leon, if you put... $10,000 down, I will sell it to you for 120, but I will give you the loan. So for 100, I'll finance you that $110,000 part, you know, at whatever interest rate I want it to be, maybe 5%, maybe 6%. And then, you know, I'll let you find, you know, I'll give you a loan like a bank, maybe for 15 years, maybe for 30 years. So this is where we start negotiating, you know, so that Josh on one hand gets you know, an income for selling their house. And for me, I could get a financing and I could put very little money down to buy a property. That's great. No, that's, uh, it's a good tactic that, that certainly a lot of people use. And is that what you're using today as your primary source of, of financing? Are you, are you pretty much uh, focusing on scooping up those seller finance deals? Yeah, I'm really, that's really what I want to do now because it allows me to really quickly expand my portfolio because with bank loans, sometimes you might hit a limit of 10 properties and then you're, you're stuck um, and you have to figure out another way to finance it. So for me, I'm able to do this with, you know, unlimited number of houses and I can put, sometimes I've put as little as $5,000 down for a house before. So it's all about trying to put as little money down, get as much financing as I can. And I think it's just a good opportunity. And given my circumstances, it works well for me. So how do you, how do you find those um, sellers? I mean, you can't, not everybody can just carry a loan, right? Yeah. Uh, well, actually I've been finding them on Craigslist, Craigslist surprisingly. Uh, oh, that's it's, cool. It's, I look for ads out there. You know, if it says, I'll type in keywords like seller financing, owner will carry, OWC, 15-year, 20-year down payment, things, keywords like that actually allows, allows me to refine, you know, different sellers who are looking to sell via financing. And most of these sellers I do find, they typically tend to be older people who have multiple properties. They either, they have it all paid for free and clear or they have it, you know, they have some sort of financing on their own. But 
these are the type of investors who are just, they got tired of landlording. They just they didn't want to manage anymore and they just wanted a consistent income. So that's how we get our conversation started. And they more or less know what's going on with their financing, how to finance it. So they're t- typically a bit more experienced and it works. So we are able to work a lot easier that way because simply because they know a bit more. No, that's great. Well, can you... Walk me through. All right, I'm I'm a brand new investor. Uh, I I say, hey, this is a great idea. I I want to buy uh, you know these owner finance properties as well. Um, I go on Craigslist and I I type in some of that stuff, some of those keywords, and I find something that looks like a potentially good deal. Um, what you know, you you get on the phone and you call these guys up. How does that conversation go? And you know, I mean, what's what's the whole process of of setting this thing up? Sure. I do have sort of a specific strategy. I really, when I start, I don't go into it saying, hey, I found your house on Craigslist. I want to buy it. What's the price right now? Let's negotiate, right? The point is to first to get to know them. You know, why are they selling? What are their wants? What are they looking for? You know, you, you have to sort of get to know them first. You know, you have to build that rapport so that, you know, this is going to be for all seller finance deals. This is a long partnership where you're lending me money for, you know, 20, 30 years. So we have to, it, there's a trust and there has to be that kind of trust built into it. So we have to get to know each other better. So if I were to call you and try to buy your house, you know, I'm just, my first questions are going to be like, hey, Josh, you know, why are you selling? You know, what do you do? You know, what what's going on in your life? We just get to know each other first. So I do that usually typically about two or three conversations before we get into you know, how to buy it. So I would approach it as my strategy is usually how much less I can put down because the less money I can put down, the higher leverage I can get. And what are some of my requirements is that if I have to make a monthly payment, including all the expenses and such, I would like to make sure I could get a rental income similar to that. So it sort of breaks even. Obviously, I could get more rental income compared to my expenses. Um, That would be great. But you know, I try to maintain that so I don't go too negative because if I have to fill in money every month, it gets tough because there's only so many properties you can do before you have to shell out lots of money. So my, my focus is really uh, pay, payments and my down payment. Price, ultimate selling price, I'm a little bit more flexible because you have to remember that this is a long-term investment. So if you're going, you know, what what's the really big difference between 120,000 and 140,000 that's that's something you worry about way far into the future but what's important now is what you have to pay right now and what you can afford to pay monthly right now so that's the type of approach i go with when negotiating for um with a seller finance property owner so are you are you looking um for because you you had said that that you, you know cash flow for you, you you know you're okay with I guess those break even numbers um, when when you're picking these things up is that because you're focusing somewhat on on the uh, potential for appreciation or um, you know why would you, for me you know if I on on you know any type of income property I'm I'm always going to be looking for some minimum number on on income after every expense after you know after my note after taxes insurance um I I I know some people say hey break even's good cuz if I hold this property for a number of years 
then suddenly I've got my equity built up. What's, what's your strategy on that? I would say I'm a huge speculator. Uh, you know, from when I first looked into the real uh, market in Vegas, well, this is for me specifically. I knew that homes were selling for three hundred thousand in two thousand and six. That's dropped below a hundred thousand in two thousand and eleven. So, I'm I'm looking at it as well. The market is going to rebound. You know, that's that's definitely going to happen. I don't know how long it it might take. It might take five years. It might take seven years. But as far as I'm concerned, I believe that the market will go back up to three hundred. So, how I will look at it is to say, well. I'd rather own a property that I'll have to break even. Um, if I could get one more, every additional property works really well because I have been buying them between 120 to uh, 150. So if it ever goes up to 300 again, I stand to gain a lot more. So I'm trying to, so I'm really speculating, but I'm watching out for my monthly payments to make sure that I can do it. Um, but I would definitely take a deal if it's break even just because I want to add an extra one to my portfolio. So, so your, your strategy then is build a sizable portfolio of discounted properties that at the minimum break even. And in the event that we see uh, the turnaround that, you know, a lot of markets are, are seeing right now. In fact, uh, the big news today is Washington, D.C. are seeing the highest prices ever. I know here in Denver, prices are, you know, skyrocketing again. Um, you know, your, your hope is let's, let's just see that appreciate. And then what, what then do you, do you sell out? Do you, uh, refi and, and pick up more properties? What's, what's the, uh, decision at that point? Well, it really depends on the market. If it gets up to say 300 again, or when it gets a little crazy, I would rather pull out, um, equity out of it, refi if possible, because that's money taken out. That's not taxable. It's not taxed. So if I were to sell everything, then I would have to pay a capital gains tax and that could, that could end up in a huge amount. So with that, I can't, um, I can pull out and I could also still keep the property. Uh, who knows? It might go up again. So that's kind of a strategy. So what, what if, what if um, in five years or 10 years or 15 years, it hasn't, you know, what if it hasn't gone up and you're still sitting on these properties that are um, break even, um, you know, what, what do you do then? Well, I, I will have to say that in 5, 10, 15 years, the rents aren't going to be the same. It will probably go up. If you look back at what you pay for rent 10, 15 years ago, it's a lot different than what you're paying now. However, all my debts are fixed. So the payments are going to be fixed. So in 10, 15 years, those payments are actually going to worth a lot less. And also because of the benefits of paying down the debt in 10, 15 years, my debts are going to be a lot lower than um, what I have now. So even if it doesn't appreciate, I can still gain the benefits of higher rents, fixed payments, and things like that. So it's kind of, it. kind of a win-win-win no matter what happens. I mean, even if the worst happens and, and you break even for the next 20 years, you're still not going to go bankrupt and run out. You know, It's, it's, it's not that bad. It's a, it's definitely an interesting, you know, strategy. It's different than what a lot of people do and different what I do, but that's why I love talking to different investors here on the podcast because everyone has their own kind of own method of investing. 
And uh, yeah, it's not a bad idea. I, I know I couldn't do that. Like I wouldn't do that in my area because I don't have any appreciation in my area. There's, I don't, we don't swing like the rest of the country does as much. But uh, Las Vegas, I know you, you guys go up and down quite a bit in places like that. So. I used to be a stock trader. So I, you know, we, we would, you know, we would look for, you know, we would chart and, and set up, you know, look at different things. I mean, I remember I used to, I used to trade, you know, certain stocks and I'd watch for that, that thing to be between a certain range. And basically you knew the low, you knew the high and you just kind of watch it. You'd try and jump in at the low and, you know, pop out when it was starting to get to the top of that range that, that it was consistently selling at. Um, the market changed. It stopped doing that. And, and my strategy didn't work anymore for me. But, you know, obvi- obviously, you know, there's definitely, as Brandon said, I mean, there's certainly various uh, strategies. It wouldn't be one that I would do. But like, like he said, I mean, I, I think it's, it's cool to hear, you know, the, that, that there are so many different paths that other people will take. Um, and we can all learn from each other with, with these things. So, um, it's, it's, uh, it's great. No, now what are, what are some of the dangers? What are some of the, the negatives to, to seller financing? Is, is there a downside to it? Yeah, there, there are definitely some downsides to that. Um, with every additional property you borrow from, even say if you're cash flow, cash flow positive or break even, you're taking additional risk because, you know, you could have that one extra property having vacancy or major repairs. And if the more you have, the more likely that several of them are going to happen at once. And so with that happening, say if you had 20 houses and five of them go vacant, you know, that's huge hit on your cash flow, as opposed to if you had five houses and one of them goes vacant. So then you make sure that you have to have a huge cash reserve in the back, just in case any of these things happen. And if you have and if you have that cash reserve and you get used it up and you can't replenish it, then you really know that you're actually over leveraged yourself and you're putting yourself into a lot of danger. You know, with that being said, um, a lot of these seller finance properties are done on a one-to-one basis. So, you know, if things doesn't work out, you can let one go. You won't lose it all at once as opposed to say maybe if you have a bank loan and you go the fall and, you know, you might have to, you know, you could lose them all, but you know, so th- those are dangers that, that come with borrowing too much. So, and, and I'm, I know I'm harping on this. Um, I have, I have friends who will buy properties without cash flow, and it frustrates me. Um, because I am, I'm, I, you know, tw- 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I might have done the speculation thing. I can't do it today. I can't wrap my head around it because to me, it's way too risky. Um, if, if you can find these deals and these opportunities that break even, you know, can you also then not just hold on a little bit, you know, to hold out for maybe deals that, that do cash flow? Or, I mean, it just, you know, to you, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter because the other, the other strategies, the other exits are, are in play and, and it just, you know, it works. Well, yeah. And, and really that sort of depends on the market as in the market in Vegas. And I'm sure in a lot of different places, there are really no inventories right now. And because of that, you sometimes have to, you know, chase for chase a little harder. Definitely. When I first started it, I was able to find some of the better deals where I could be a bit more cash flow positive, but with the run up in the market with no inventories, Sellers who carries tend to have a bit more say. You know, they could actually demand a bit more than what I can 
guess. So I have to make some of the trade-offs. Uh, with that being said, you know, uh, the reason I'm willing to speculate is because in Vegas, you can't build a house at the prices I, I have been buying for. So I knew that there's no way prices would stay that way. Otherwise, no, no house will ever get built again in that city. So I knew that it would eventually it would go up. Another interesting thing is I looked at my insurance policy and I see my property uh, coverage, you know, exceeds the price I pay for the house several times sometimes. So when I asked them why they do that, they said, well, this is what it will cost us to build, rebuild you the house. So I knew that there was a room there to grow. And, you know, given what's been happening in the Vegas market ever since I started, it has already jumped, you know, 30 to 50 percent. And I think it will only go up higher, but it may take a bit longer time. Got it. Now, now in a market like Vegas, I, I see that making sense, you know, buying for less than the replacement cost of the property itself. But then you, you, you can say, hey, well, why not? I can do that. Let me go to Detroit where I can buy a house for $4. And, <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't be caught dead doing that. You know, you couldn't give me a $5 Detroit house because I don't want it. You know, and, and, right. <laughs> you know, you know, the replacement cost is certainly more than the five or 5,000 or $10,000 you can pay to get a, a house. Um, so your strategy may work in a place like Vegas where, um, the, the city is growing, the city is still doing well, but in a, you, you want to be careful to avoid a place, a city that's kind of dying like a Detroit. Right. Exactly. I agree. And that's why you have to go see the city, you know, go see every block, see what the stores are doing, see how the people are, see what the economy is like. You have to do that kind of research in the market you want to invest in before you come up with your investing strategy. So you have to definitely visit the city first. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's I just, I just wanted to make that point because, you know, I, I worry that somebody listening might say, Oh, well I could get cheap properties, you know, in Detroit and sorry, Detroit, I am going to pick on you. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, Hey, I could get these cheap properties there. Maybe that strategy will work for me. And I would personally say, do not do this period. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's all about knowing your, knowing your market. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Um, so, uh, I guess we talked about borrowing money a little bit. So let's go back to real basic. You know, some people are totally opposed to borrowing money. Um, and I wanted to get your, your thoughts on that. Cause I know you've talked about that a little bit on the blog and stuff, but uh, so I guess fundamentally, uh, why do we borrow money? I mean, what's the idea behind that? Well, fundamentally, I think the borrowing money is really to get you to the ability to do something that you normally wouldn't be able to do. Right. If you had to buy the house with all your money, you're spending a huge amount of capital, which not everybody have. I mean, it's you could be, you know, for a hundred thousand dollar house, you know, if you could pay ten thousand to get it, it's a lot different than just paying a hundred thousand all cash. So it's about being able to do something that you can't do normally. That's that's the that's the first reason. And then the second one, um, I think right now, given the low interest rates, I mean, interest rates have never been this low before. And if you could get a 30-year fixed loan on this kind of interest rate, just think about, you know, what happens if ever interest rate would go up. You, you know, people might be, if you look at the past history, people have paid 18% interest rates before, you know, and you, here you are paying, what, 3 to 4%. That's that's huge. And 
And then you have to look at the economy as a whole. You have to sort of study the economy. And right now, I think we'll be hitting a lot of inflation because Bernanke just likes to throw money out of helicopters. <laughs> a little too much. I think. Uh, so, so that when I study the market, I've seen what happens when he throws money out because U.S. dollar is you know it's traded all over the world. You start to see inflation going all over different countries with dollars flowing into them. And you can see what happens is that, you know, inflation kind of destroys a lot of things. But, you know, one thing that inflation doesn't destroy is the, you know, is the value of your debt. You know, if you owe $100,000 and inflation went up 100%, in reality, you really owe $50,000 now. So that's a huge um, trend that I think we'll be seeing in the next three or five years with inflation coming back around to the U.S. And if you have debt, that means your debt is just going to go lower and lower. So with a 30-year, 3 to 4% interest rate kind of debt that gets devalued even more, I mean, that's, it's almost like a no-brainer. You have to borrow money if you can right now. No, no, that makes sense. I mean, uh, yeah, interest rates, I just got a loan for, I think, 3.5%. Uh, and that's on a primary okay. residence. But yeah, still, I mean, that, that's that's ridiculously cheap. So um, definitely, I'm one of those. I, I like to play that math game. You know, if I can borrow it at three and a half, and I can, you know, make fifteen or twenty or thirty, obviously that works out. I mean, I'm, there's a part of me though that still tries to. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey and you know, paying off debt and getting out of debt no matter what. You know, that I'm very uh, um, split. I have kind of a dual personality, so. I kind of treat my business with the, the playing the math game and I try to run my personal life with get out of debt as fast as possible and lower expenses. So, uh, no, I definitely, uh, I hear you there. Listeners, I'm telling you right now, it's not every day you find a game changer like Rent Ready. They're not stopping with just tenant screening. They've rolled out proof of income verification. Let Rent Ready handle the heavy lifting with automatic checks on financial stability and earnings. Plus, with Plaid certified reports, you'll have all the info you need right at your fingertips. Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. And if you're not a pro, they're offering the six month plan for just $1. How great of a deal is that? That's one eighth of a Chipotle. That's pretty good. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor, to get six months of rent ready for $1. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. 
With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's go over to a little bit. Let's talk about um, people who want to get into real estate investing because you're fairly new at this. Uh, so you have a little bit, I think, uh, fresher insight on what you got to do to get started. Uh, so maybe like, what are, what are some skills that you think um, are really important to succeed in real estate? Well, I think the first part I would say is education. You have to get a good financial education. You have to understand things like the time value of money, amortization, budgeting, uh, interest rates, inflation, banking, all of those really plays a huge role, you know, all around real estate as much as you don't usually, usually think about it. But as, as you can see what we've spoke before, I didn't come up with my investing strategy without having a long-term understanding of what the market could be, um, what, what I can do with that and things like that, which are very important to building a good, successful real estate business. It's not just about being a good landlord or finding a great deal. You have to look at a lot of things long-term. So that's the first one. The second one I think is very important is the people skills. Real estate is really a people business. Um, It's not about just say, hey, let me find an agent. They would go through MLS and find all I need. I just need to look at the numbers. You have to talk to people. You'll be talking to sellers. You'll be talking to other investors. And, you know, it's like bigger pockets. It's a, it's a community you have to get involved with to help each other out. And that's where you learn the tips and tricks. You learn the good strategies, a lot of insights, none of which you will be able to get if you're not a people person. So it's all about you have to build good rapport. You have to, you know, 
um, come across as an honest person, you have to be trustworthy. Reputation, as Josh always used to say, is extremely important. So you have to have a good reputation. You know, you have to keep to your word. And, you know, as long as you do all those things, you know, deals will come. People will come to you. you you'll get help. You'll be able to help others. Um, so that's a, that will really build your success. And I've seen that happen. You know, thanks to me really starting to get involved, attending bigger pockets, reaching out to other investors, and really learning how to communicate better with people, that really built my business. The sec, you know, in 2012, and really allowed me to expand my business. I've never thought I could do it, but that was really tremendous. Um, so those are the two kind of the two main things you have to have. I feel. No, that's great. You know the. Uh and and I still think reputation is important, <laughs> and I still think credibility is important. Yeah. It's it's uh, you know it's amazing that I think most people don't realize how important it is. And and you know what what kills me is when I see new people come onto our website and they start they start off their careers by lying, and and that just frustrates me to no end because. You know, I, I can't tell you. I mean, I know almost every guest we've had on the show has talked about credibility and reputation. I know the people that I know and respect the most all talk about it. And the people who are successful, they focus on that. And, and so, you know, if you start by lying and, you know, manipulating and just, you know, pretending to be things that you're not, it, it, it's such a dangerous path to take. Hey, I've got deals in 50 cities. Yeah, and and I've got I've got somewhere between uh, 500,000 and 10 billion dollars to lend you, Brandon. Well, I work with a, a network of investors. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I do have a network of investors myself that that I that I tend to work with from time to time. Yeah, so no, listen, I mean the cre- the credibility thing is is really important and uh no, I'm I'm uh, I'm really glad that that uh you know, you, you, you mentioned that now, so you're, you know, what's interesting about you to me. And one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the show is, you know, you're, you're, you haven't been doing this for 10 years. You know, you're a pretty new investor. You bring, you're a very smart guy and you bring a pretty interesting perspective. Um, but so you, you, you haven't been doing it for too long. That said, you know, we all have our little emotions when we do things. And, you know, I love, I love bigger pockets every day, except that one day that it drives me nuts and I fall out of love with it. Um, and then the next day, Brandon, you know, smacks me around and suddenly I'm back in on it. Um, but what about you in real estate? You know, have you ever fallen out of love with real estate? Yeah, I've, I've definitely have fallen out of love before. And, it all started at one point early in 2012 when I was doing a lot of deals, trying to buy several houses a month, you know, finding tenants, doing the rehab, uh, running around ta- town. I was doing more than 12 hours a day on the field. And when I get home, I was, I was on the computer looking for different deals, several hours. I just talked real estate all day. I was just at one point, you know, my ex-girlfriend was just like, you're boring the crap out of me. <laughs> and I think <laughs> it's, it's that kind of thing where, you know, I had no time for anything else. And I was, Wait, is she was, your ex-girlfriend because of real estate, because of the 12 hours a day? Uh, no. I, I oh, okay. Not. Okay, we'll move on. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Real estate yeah, and, and, and relationships don't go together. <laughs> yeah, it, it's challenging, definitely. For people who could do it as a couple, I, I have a lot of respect for that. But yeah, I mean, I was, 
I was driving all day, you know, I was grabbing whatever I can eat. You know, I, I really think there's a, you know, a, a positive correlation between real estate, hard work, and the size of your belly. Like, it was just <laughs> like, you know, it, it was it was a healthy lifestyle. I was starting to hate it. You know, I was just saying, there was a lot of stress, there's a lot of stuff to do, and my mind was all over the place. So it took me a while before I realized, you know, I do need to find balance as much as I would I love real estate, I have to strike a good balance between real estate and personal life. You know, I started kind of changing that concept because I realized, yeah, you could chase that extra dollar, but at what cost? You know, you might be have to sacrifice a lot more to take your ticket to a new level, but you know, you have to strike that balance. Otherwise, you know, it just it's too difficult. So I kind of start taking a little bit of a step off, trying to get uh, a good balance. You know, I started eating better, exercising more, doing some traveling and pursuing my other hobbies or interests. And that kind of, it makes me feel better. It's, you know, at the end of the day, while you're doing all this, if real estate fails, at least I had a good time, you know, doing it. That's kind of, you want to, you want to, I feel like it's good to approach it that way. So, and real estate is a long long-term game. game. Yep. You'll be doing this for 10, 20, 30 years. You don't want to burn out at the third year or the fifth year. You have to last until the end. You have to cross that finish line. And if you run too fast, you might just end up burning out and get out of the game before you really, truly get all the benefits. So 80 hours a week of work isn't healthy? No. <laughs> Come well, on. you look pretty healthy right now, so I guess uh, <laughs> not all of us can do it. <laughs> it's it's not healthy. Trust me, it's not healthy. <laughs> well, I I want to point out real quick that there was an article you wrote that you talked all about this on the Bigger Pockets blog. It was called "What What Is Your Real Estate Lifestyle?" It was actually probably my favorite uh, blog post that's come out in months. I just I really liked it because you talked about all this stuff that you know there there is a place for hustle and there is a place when you're starting out and you're working a full time job. I mean, you got to work and you got to work hustle. it. You, yeah, you got to hustle, but there's also a place for, like you said, living a balanced life. And I, you know, I'm, I'm like you, I tend to obsess and I like go in and I'll, I'll work 80 hours on my real estate and, uh, it, yeah, it's not healthy. So I really like that post that actually like at that point I showed it to my wife. I said, I need to follow this guy's advice and I need to like, (laughs) I, I need to be content sometimes I think with, you know, just following the system. I mean, real estate can be kind of boring sometimes. I mean, it's exciting and fun, but at the same time, buy and hold investing isn't, I mean, it's, it's a pretty like standard thing. You buy property that is going to go up in value and that has cash flow. And I mean, that's, yeah. So anyway, very, very good article. And we will link to that in the bigger pockets uh, show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show 13. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, yeah, that balance is important. Um, yeah, I think you have to enjoy it, right? Like you said, you have to keep loving real estate. If you just give up, you, you hustle too hard. That, yeah, you burn out and that's it. You know, you give up the game way too early and that's that's the hard part. Yeah, but like like you said, you have to hustle when you start. Yeah, well, and and, and I'll say, listen, I mean, for me, as I always like to say to everybody, I mean, family for me is the most important thing, you know, and Brandon knows uh, he and I are on the, you know, the computer on Skype every day. Um, you know, if my kids need me, I'm going to deal with my kids, you know, I mean, and, and so I, I think, you know, 
there's one thing to go out and build, you know, this is a philosophy, right? You can agree or tell me I'm an idiot. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but, you know, my philosophy is, listen, I mean, I'm doing what I do for my family, period, right? And so if, if you work so hard that, you, you know, unfortunately, you know, maybe you lose your girlfriend, but you learn your perspective, how to kind of create that balance so it doesn't happen again in the future. You've now learned that lesson so that you don't make, you know, the mistake again. And now you kind of find a balance or you find somebody who, you know, works within uh, the, the uh, mentality that you have. Right. And, and so I think, you know, I think it's just important that we all kind of find our own balance and our own centers and we all figure out what works best for us. But I think if you just work non nonstop and, you know, yeah, you're rich, but you know, are you rich in money or are you rich in life? And, and I always say be rich in life instead of rich in money. So, you know, that's just kind of my take on it all. Yeah, I definitely agree with you in that aspect. Yeah, I think it's the experiences in life that really makes what life interesting. It's not about how much money you have. So, yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, that's great. Well, how about um, your investing? Have you have you considered investing elsewhere? Have you considered looking at different markets, uh, for example, or have, you know, do you do you have other other types of in, uh, focus in in real estate or? Uh, yeah, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. Well, yeah, I have definitely considered that. I've looked at many different cities over the U.S., uh, just different markets. But personally, I think what's most important is investing in your own home market just because you get to, uh, you know the city inside out. It's very easy for you to get to the place, very easy to manage. Whereas if you were to say, oh, I want to invest in Houston, I want to invest in uh, Inland Empire, I want to invest in, um, you know, let's say not Detroit, but, you know, <laughs> if you keep going over the place all over, uh, you just end up wasting airfare, time, you know, you have a lot of risk because you have to build, build a team you could trust in those places and you really, you're way too spread out. You know, with that being said, I think it's important to know what your home market is, right? If you live in Detroit, uh, I, I'll suggest you invest <laughs> elsewhere. But, you know, it, it really depends on how your home market is. And also, you know, on the other hand, if you live in New York, L.A., San Francisco, you're paying five, six hundred thousand dollars for a tiny home. You're, you might only be able to rent it out for maybe fifteen hundred to two thousand dollars. So you're getting a very low return as opposed to, say, a market in Vegas where you're getting seven percent. And if you compare, you know, a 2% return and a 7% return and you compound it over 15, 20 years, you know, as Warren Buffett would say, you know, that's the power of compounding is extremely huge. You know, you're earning a much greater return at a market where you don't have to spend as much to invest in. And I think a big part of that too is, I mean, even a city like Detroit, there are probably a lot of areas around there that you could invest in. It would make sense. Same with New York. There's probably places. I mean, I know LA is insane. And, uh, you know, my good buddy, uh, Arthur Garcia, who we had on podcast at number six, uh, he talks about, you know, where he lives. I mean, every property is, you know, six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars, but he drives two hours to invest in, in his area. And so it's a little inconvenient. He has to go out there, you know, every couple of weeks or whatever to, you know, drive a few hours, but you know it, it works out for him because there's always somewhere somewhere you can go usually within two or three hours driving that you can invest in. So if if you're located in an area like that, you know just look around. You don't have to invest in the city. Yeah, and and you know we're beating up on Detroit here, um, <laughs> and you know I, I mean re- for good reason. 
Um, you know, I, I will say, you know, I, I've personally been the victim of a decline, you know, declining areas. Right. And so, you know, it's, you know, you might be able to pick up a property in Detroit for five, 10,000 bucks, and you might be able to find a tenant, but if the jobs all go away, which is kind of the path that, you know, a lot of these Rust Belt cities are experiencing, unfortunately, um, and hopefully some of the politicians can figure out how to turn things around up there. Um, you know, it's a really risky bet. It's a really risky bet. And, you know, I think there's a difference between speculating, informed speculating, and just flat out speculating, right? I could go and say, hey, I got, I got, you know, I got a ton of money. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just buy up 50 houses in Detroit on the hope that, you know, I'm going to get cash flow and whatever happens, but they might raise all those properties. I mean, they might, <laughs> you know, knock them down. Um, you know, because they can't maintain them anymore because they don't have now infrastructure and, you know, police and fire to, to take care of. So, you know, cities are shrinking. Um, so, you know, there's that risk. And I know we're beating up on Detroit here, but, uh, you know, it's time for any of the politicians who are listening to get their, get their act together and figure out how to, how to fix things. I mean, it, it frustrates me to no end. I'm going to just keep going on. So you better interrupt me. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to go on a rant here, guys. You better cut me off. No, I agree with you. It's definitely <laughs> the fundamentals, all right? You can't, and that's why I go back about studying markets long-term, having a long-term planning, because if you just go into Detroit and just looking at right now, yeah, they're completely cheap. But, you know, yeah, like you said, what's the city going to look like in 10, 15 years if they don't get their act together, that you're essentially taking a huge risk. So it's really about, you know, you have to study everything when, it's, when it comes to real estate, no, that's great, Leon. Um, that's awesome. So I want to go to one more thing before we kind of start wrapping things up. In a, in a lot of your blog posts, you mentioned that now is the good time to invest in real estate. You've said it a few times that that now is a great time. So can you expand on that? And why do you think now is such a good time to invest? Yeah, sure. Uh, first, home prices have been depressed for quite a while now. I mean, sure, they're starting to go back up. And it might start going faster and faster. Who knows? But right now, at this point, with the low interest rates, with the you know, with the low home prices, a lot of homes are affordable, and there haven't been a, that many times when it's cheaper to buy a house than to rent. You know, rent doesn't hasn't felt as much as home prices. So you're getting you're still getting a good return on your money. And especially with the economy right now, think about people like pension plans, um, retirees, I mean, savers, they're getting what, like 0.5% money on their bank. Yeah. Um, you know, they're getting like, what, 2% on a government bond. I mean, that, that doesn't even, that doesn't even go above inflation. If you just leave your money lying around there, you're, you're losing it all. And, you know, so what are the other options? You know, you invest in a hedge fund and a stock market. You know, those, those are extremely volatile markets, as Josh will probably tell you. So it's, it's that kind of, um, you know, you have to look for safer investments. And I think real estate at this point, um, it's extremely safe, given that even if you do, a, you, know, you get a loan, you leverage your deal, you're still getting a good rental income compared to the payments you have to make. Um, you know, at three or four percent, it's never going to happen again. And uh, personally, again, I think inflation will hit the U.S. within three to five years. You know, we, we already we already see that. You know, like you know, little things like gas prices. Are oh, we're up. seeing it, man. Inflation has yeah. definitely been here over the past you know bunch of years. I mean, groceries, right. g g yeah, you name it. I mean, it's here. It's here. 
Yeah, Big Macs, they're, they're what, tiny sliders now? <laughs> like you can't even eat on the airplane. You know, it's, it's things like that. You know, there's not enough alcohol content in your drinks now. So you know, they're cutting, that's the cutting it that way. You know, there's one way where they, you know, prices go up and one way quality gets worse. But it's all about, you know, that's going to hit us. And if we don't own anything that's real, which could be houses, you know, a barrel of oil, you know, gold. If you don't own those things, you know, paper is going to worth a lot less over time. So you want to own something. And I think real estate, having a home, you know, two important things, right? You need food and shelter. So I think shelter is one of those things. You know, I don't think anyone, you know, can all buy a farm and grow their own food, but they can buy a house and that will protect their their value of their asset, you know, whatever money they had at that point. You know, real estate always goes up with inflation. Nice. Well, it doesn't always go up. We get well, it doesn't we, always. We get the wiggle wobble. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, you know, clearly you're you're a bright guy, and and you get it. And this is really interesting stuff. And and we we can kind of sit here and and banter about what what the market's doing and where it's going. I think you know ultimately it's important. You know, kind of the message here is people need to understand markets and people have to have uh, 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 knowledge of the fundamentals uh, because it, it is important. You know, just knowing the price of a single house is, uh, isn't necessarily uh, enough. You know, and I know, again, I fell, uh, I fell victim to this uh, when, when I had property whose uh, properties around it started to, to become dilapidated and uh, started to, to become vacant and problem properties, and and suddenly I found myself in a situation where I couldn't I couldn't keep tenants and I couldn't sell the darn property, and I had uh, you know I was I was in trouble I was in trouble, and it was because I was not paying close enough attention to what the market was doing, and and so that's I I think it's so so important for people to really pay attention and understand that. Um, but with that, we're we're starting to get to the end here of show 13, biggerpockets.com slash show 13 on the show notes. Um, so let's get to uh, our, our famous uh, final questions here. Uh, let's start with our favorite real estate book. Uh, what, what's, what's your favorite? Favorite real estate book, huh? Well, I would say it's the Bigger Pockets Beginner's Guide. Yeah. Yeah. The Ultimate Beginner's Guide. Nice. (laughs) And biggerpockets.com slash UBG for those of you who want to check out the Ultimate Beginner's Guide. But and it's free. It is a free book. But Leon, come on, man. Give us another book besides (laughs) ours. Although we'll certainly let you plug our book all you want. Well, I I read too many real estate books, uh, but you know I, I would just say I have to give it up to Rich Dad Poor Dad as that's what got me started. Not the greatest book in the world, but still got me started, and that was what yes. launched what I where I am today. So I thought that was really helpful in kind of understanding the concept between you know being a worker and being a investor. So got it, cool, got it, got it. All right, and how about your favorite non real estate business book? Well, oh man, um, investment biker uh, by Jim Rogers. He does a lot of traveling. Um, you know, the way we talk about markets, he went to everywhere. You know, just to see what different countries are like. And I thought that was really interesting, as he was able to predict a lot of things 
that's happening 10 years in the future. And he was able to see, you know, how countries are doing. So that kind of inspired me to hopefully one day do the same, travel everywhere, just, you know, maybe hopefully, you know, provide that kind of insights to other people, you know, if I can. And what is the significance of a penguin? That's uh this is what happens when you have to make up a name in the middle of the night. <laughs> it's uh all right. Well the story goes to back in the days when I was going to uh when I was in high school in New York, uh we had the phase where we wear really baggy pants and <laughs> you don't have belts, so you kinda have to waddle a little bit as you walk. So, yeah, that's where one of the they so call it was penguin for that. That's Leon funny. the baggy pant penguin. That's awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> uh, and of course, that that relates to your website, which is okay. Hardworkingpenguin.com. Just one go. penguin, no two, just one. <laughs> um, hardworking, not really, but you know. <laughs> do make a visit. You know, read the finance stuff, the real estate stuff. I do try to, um, you know, again, it's about getting a well-rounded education. I think that really helps everyone to become a better investor, you know, better with their money, things like that. What about, ho- what about hobbies, Leon? What do you do for fun? I know you travel, but. I, I like to travel. I like to eat. I like to eat a lot of different things. Um, I was born in China, so we're taught to eat everything that moves. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of cool. You know, I try different cuisines. Um, I really enjoy investing. Um, I enjoy writing. You know, I, Besides real estate, one day in the future, maybe I will look to invest in different markets. Again, it's, I enjoy reading and getting a lot of knowledge and that helps me b- become a better investor. So uh, do try to tell jokes, but I don't think that's going well. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about, okay, last question. It, it is the one that I ask everybody. And what do you think that sets apart uh, the new investors who, who come and they succeed and they do well from those who come and disappear? What is it that sets apart the successful ones? Well, I think it's uh, the successful ones are the ones who jump into it and do it right away. You know, they get right down to it. I think a lot of new investors, they might get scared by, you know, what if this doesn't work out? You know, have I done enough research? You know, maybe, maybe it's not the right time yet. There's a lot of paralysis with, I think, the, new investors who don't succeed. And, you know, you can't get it right the first time. You know, everyone's going to make mistakes, but you have to learn from those mistakes. And I think a lot of the successful ones are probably the one that jump right into it and then figure it out as they go along, um, you know, put, in, put themselves at risk, but just to make it happen. Uh, at least that's how I felt like when I first jumped in. So maybe... I can't really call myself successful yet, but I do notice that if I were to say, oh, I haven't done enough research, I have to do this, I have to wait, you know, maybe I need to talk to somebody, maybe this market is way too scary for me, then I would have never been here today talking to you guys. Yeah, for sure, for cool. sure. Um, all right, Leon, so listen, uh, where else can people find you? Obviously, they can find you on the, the Draggy Pant website, the, <laughs> the hardworking penguin. Uh, no, the site is an informative, valuable website, which is where we found <laughs> I see Brandon falling out of his chair. <laughs> um, but uh, we, they can find you on Bigger Pockets, obviously, and we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, are you on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, anything else? Uh, can people connect with you there? 
Yeah, uh, I am on Facebook. Uh, Leon Yang, my name. Uh, there's a lot of them, so just uh, try to find my face. We'll, we'll, we'll link <laughs> yeah, to it in the show notes. I have Twitter, I think. It's HardWPenguin. Um, and LinkedIn, my name again. Look for Vegas and you should be able to find me. Nice. And we'll link to that stuff. Well, listen, man, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on board. And of course, thanks for continuing to contribute really great content, uh, great articles to the Bigger Pockets blog. Uh, we appreciate having you on the show. Yeah, I really appreciate you guys giving me an opportunity. And definitely, Bigger Pockets is so great. It just taught me so much and gave me access to a lot of really good investors. So, you know, I learned so much from it. So, whatever I can do to give back, I'll do my best. And, you know, this is a really awesome site. Oh, thanks, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you, Leon. All right, everybody, that was show 13 of the Bigger Pockets podcast. Hopefully, you guys found it to be valuable as we have as valuable as we have. Uh, we want to thank, of course, uh, our, our guest, uh, Leon Yang, for, uh, for being here. And, uh, you know, just want to thank everybody for listening. For those of you who are new to the show, uh, if you found it valuable, we ask that you please go to iTunes to uh, leave us a review. Uh, these reviews are really helpful in uh, help letting us get the word out to, to others about uh, about the Bigger Pockets podcast. Also, we ask that you please subscribe to the show uh, on iTunes as well. Each new subscription is really valuable. Uh, of course, uh, if you want to find our list of podcasts, just go to biggerpockets.com slash podcast. And otherwise, uh, if you're not yet a member of our site, we definitely want you to come and check it out. We, you know, just like the show, uh, our goal is to provide lots of valuable information and networking opportunities. So jump on at biggerpockets.com. Lastly, if you are not following us on Facebook, uh, please do so. You can find us at facebook.com slash biggerpockets. Uh, we've got uh, lots of uh, great interaction with, with everybody on Facebook. We share uh, you know surveys and, and things, uh, interesting tidbits and and whatnot on uh, our Facebook page. So, you know, jump in, get involved, and, and of course, get involved in the Bigger Pockets community. It's a great place to connect. So, thank you for listening. Again, biggerpockets.com, uh, podcast 13, and we'll see you next time. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. There's a reason small multifamily investing is so popular in the BiggerPockets community. With just a 3.5% down payment, you can own up to four different units. Think about it. If you house hack and live in one of the units, you still have three different groups of tenants helping you pay down your mortgage every month, four kitchens and bathrooms you could renovate to increase your property value, four different Airbnbs, medium-term rentals, or other rental strategies that you can try in one property, all in just one transaction. Of course, the question is, where do you find a small multifamily property that you can actually afford? Which market and which deals are best for you? Once you close, how do you manage it, optimize it, keep scaling, and living your life without being tied down to four leaky toilets or four fussy tenants? All great questions, my friends. All to be answered in the upcoming small multifamily bootcamp with Chris Lopez and Leica Devatha. 
So if you're serious about growing your portfolio with this highly efficient strategy, head to biggerpockets.com slash four, F-O-U-R today and join us in the small multifamily bootcamp. See you there. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.